This Week on Art of the Air features Bulgarian-born, world-class piano dynamo who made her Carnegie Hall debut in 2009 and returned in 2016, Tanya Stareva, plus selections from her Rhythmic Movement album. Our spotlight is with Wendy Marciniak about the 62nd Chesterton Art Fair running August 7th and 8th with over 60 artists plus music from Billy Foster Trio and Duo Sequenza. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Mary. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Mary and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself Welcome, you're listening to Art on the Air on WVLP 103.1 FM and Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, our weekly program covering arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. I'm Larry Breckner of New Perspectives Photography, right alongside here with Esther Golden of The Nest in Michigan City. Aloha, everyone. We're your hosts for Art on the Air. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant through South Shore Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Art on the Air streams live at WVLP.org and is rebroadcast on Monday at 5 p.m. Plus is also heard on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM every Sunday at 7 p.m. Also streaming live at LakeshorePublicRadio.org and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Information about Art on the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That's breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. I'd like to welcome to Art on the Air Spotlight someone who's been with us before from the Chesterton Arts Center the president and the CEO of that organization, Wendy Marciniak. Welcome to Art in the Air Spotlight, Wendy. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> so nice to see you, Wendy. And by way of full disclosure, I'm also on the board as vice chair for Chester and Art Center, just so everyone knows. Well, you've got some big event coming up pretty soon, uh, something that uh, I guess we didn't have last year. So tell us about that. You are so right, and we are so excited to announce that 62nd Annual Chesterton Art Fair will be happening this year on August 7th and 8th at Dogwood Park in Chesterton, as in previous years. And so we're really, really excited that the fair is back, and we have about 70-plus artists that are really excited about coming to the fair and showing you everything that they've been working on. And we have some other new events planned at the fair as well. Can you um, name some of the artists? And the de- and I wanted to back up, actually. The deadline has been extended, right? So you're still accepting applications? We are indeed through July 31st of this year, yes. So as far as naming artists, um, there are so many that are new this year that that would, that would be a little difficult, but I can Maybe tell you Maybe some of that, our favorite returning ones. Oh, oh sure. And uh, some of our local artists will be back as well, such as Mark Vanderven, Marianne Pals, George and Kathy Millett. So yes, there will be many of our favorites and then along with some new artist friends as well. And what kind of activities do you have? Uh, things yeah, for all, the whole family? Yes, yes. 
we will have a wonderful children's art activity booth this year where our young artists who are inspired by walking through the fair can actually stop and create some of their own art to take home with them. And also we have some new musical performers to announce, and we're really excited about that. And also some new food vendors will be joining us this year so that everybody can come and plan to spend the day with the family at the fair and know that there'll be great food, great music, great art, things to do for children. So we know it's just going to be a wonderful family experience on both days, Saturday and Sunday. Are you, I remember in the past, in past years, you had a caricature artist. Is that, is he also going to be there? You know what, at this point, I'm not sure if he is or not, but uh, we are planning to have some artists doing demonstrations on site. So, um, you know, you might be able to stop and watch an artist at work. And many of them also work in their booths as well. And you said you had music. So uh, what's different about the music uh, lineup this year as opposed to previous years? Well, this year we have um, some new musical acts that are going to be entertaining, uh, such as the Billy Foster Trio will be performing on Saturday, along with Allie Christian, who's a local uh, young entertainer, on a very talented artist also. So she'll be performing. Uh, we'll have Mike Owens. On Sunday, we'll have Captain Ambivalent and Duo Sequenza, Deborah Silvert and Paul Bowman, who are local, but they travel all over the world performing. So we're really fortunate to have them. And Marco Villarreal, I think, is also on the line up there uh, just on uh, Saturday. So I, Yes, yes, at 10 a.m. from 10 to 11. Right. Well, and they're going to be performing, as I understand it, in the pavilion as opposed to being out like under the tree or something like that. So that's kind of a different environment. Exactly. And we know that it'll be um, much better for the performers, but also for the folks that want to sit and listen to Under the Shade of the Shelter. Now, can people uh, donate to the operation? But then what's the cost of admission? And I guess you can also get your tickets online. Tell us about that process. Yes, uh, you can purchase tickets on Eventbrite. And the ticket price has not changed. It is still only $5 for ages 12 and up. Children under 12 are free. And there's free parking, handicap accessible parking. And as I said, tickets are also available on Eventbrite ahead of the event, or you can pay cash at the gate. Excellent. And uh, you said Dogwood Park. What's the location of Dogwood Park for those of people who might be listening outside of uh, the area in Chesterton? Well, Dogwood Park is located uh, just about a mile off the 49 bypass, and it's at the corner of 1100 North and 23rd Street in Chesterton. So you can't miss it. And there will be signage guiding you to the park from the bypass. Well, as we wrap up here, tell us about uh, where they can find out more information on the website and also information if any artists are hearing this that they still may want to get a booth and contact information now. Absolutely. Yes, you can visit chestertonart.org to find out more about the fair. And also artists may apply to be in the fair from that site. And also, if you'd like to volunteer at the fair, we'd love to have you. We have uh, job opportunities at the fair that can suit anybody's needs, uh, whether it's sitting or if you're okay with walking around. And we'd love to have your help. And of course, 
you get free admission to the fair if you're a volunteer. So there's a plus. Well, thank you. That's Wendy Marciniak from the Chesterton Art Center about the Chesterton Art Fair coming up August 7th and 8th at Dogwood Park. Thank you so much for being on Art on the Air Spotlight. Thank you for having me, and we'll see you at the fair. Thank you. You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. just heard Rhythmic Movement, the title track from today's Art on the Air guest album that features a Bulgarian-born world-class piano dynamo who made her Carnegie Hall debut in 2009, returning in 2016 with her widely diverse repertoire. Please welcome Tanya Stavara to Art on the Air. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me, Larry. Well, we should probably mention that you composed Rhythmic Movement. Is that correct? Yes, that's an original composition in the album Rhythmic Movement, as well as uh, track 10, which is the dark side of the sun. Yes, it's track 10. Rhythmic Movement has me wanting to go side to side, actually. It's very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) It's influenced by the seven, eight Bulgarian rhythms, which are typical for my country and the Balkans. And um, of course, the rhythms change on some sections. But overall, I kind of try to incorporate a little bit more of those dance-like rhythms in the folk. Very good. Well, we want to know a little bit about your story for our audience. Tell us a little bit about uh, how you got from where you were in Bulgaria to now and doing what you're doing now and being a concert pianist. Oh, boy. (laughs) I'll try to be as brief as possible. But, um, okay, so as you know, I was born and raised in Bulgaria. I was born in Sofia, the capital of Bulgaria, and raised in Plovdiv, which is the second big city in Bulgaria. And I believe a few years ago it was a cultural capital of Europe. It's very ancient. Uh, It has an amphitheater. And there are beautiful concerts happening uh, in both cities and all over the country. And um, classical music is very prominent. I went to a special music school. Um, It's uh, basically all the way until 12th grade and similar to conservatory style. And uh, I'm very grateful for the training that I got there. I love my teachers. And uh, then I won scholarship. I went to Boston. And uh, after graduating, I got an artist visa. 
and I moved to New York. And since then, I have been living in New York all this time. And um, it's been a wonderful journey. So this is as brief as I can get it. <laughs> <laughs> Was it always piano or did you, I mean, so how did you gravitate to, toward piano? Was that the family instrument? Well, that's an interesting question. I feel like once you're in a music school, it's never enough to master just one instrument because you're usually uh, majoring in that specific instrument. Let's say in my case, I would be a piano major. Uh, a colleague of mine who is a violinist would be a violin major. And there are always so many classes, exams and things to do that it's just never enough to even look around and think about playing another instrument uh, versus a lot of my friends in jazz or rock and roll, they play like 10 different instruments, which is incredible. Um, so I was a little bit interested in singing in the end of my high school. I was taking some opera lessons and it was fun. I would say that singing really helped me uh, listen to uh, the phrasing of each melody that they play on the piano. And often when I take master classes or lessons with uh, guest teachers, they would always talk about playing in the piano in such a way as if I'm singing. So I would say that the vocal classes were very helpful in that type of sense when I was a student. And they were fun. But I would say the real way of how I express myself is really through the piano. Um, I would say drums could be my second instrument, but I've never tried playing drums in Bulgaria. I kind of got more inspired when I met Will Cahoon. Before that, when I collaborated also with Dave Lombardo. So that's kind of my rock and roll crossing outside of the classical uh, experiments. And um, I also, there is interesting music uh, when in the contemporary classical music, when you would be playing the piano and sometimes it would be incorporating um, percussion instruments, whether double bass drums or whether um, cymbals, uh, I would say in a lot of contemporary music or 20th century, let's say like Stockhausen, Kontakte, the pianist actually has to has to play on a lot of percussive instruments from time to time. You sit on the piano, then you run around, you bang a couple of percussive things, and then you come back, and it's pretty complex, but it's fun. I, I thought that those are very uh, good experiments. But for track number 14 on the album, I just decided to have a master come as a guest artist. So we had Will Kuhn, and we played together piano and drums, which is a very rare type of collaboration. Normally, the drums are usually more common in bands, not so much with a soloist, especially a pianist. So I feel like choosing a percussive style of piano piece really matched the drums very nice. Yeah, and your actual playing style is very dramatic and percussive to begin with for the most part. I mean, it's at least your own things. I mean, I know you play regular classical pieces also. Uh, so you're all located in Manhattan, but you are you do touring quite a bit. I know this last year, let's just briefly talk about COVID, how that impacted uh, your touring schedule. Oh boy, I would say that my last concert outside of New York uh, before the COVID was just exactly at the beginning of 2020 in February. That was in Los Angeles in California. And since the pandemic started, I've been just very careful in social distancing. I've been working on some composing, writing some new music, uh, as well as planning some new recordings. Uh, but most of my current concerts have been just online. There were a couple of local things in Manhattan that were with social distancing and extremely small audience. Uh, a lot of venues, they cannot have full houses anymore. Uh, they have to spread the people. And especially in, in place like New York, when everything is just so much density, it's very hard to kind of spread. You see, California itself is more spread, spread out uh, in terms of houses. But here, it's just so hard a lot of people to be away from each other, <laughs> just because a lot of people in smaller size. Um, so, uh, so, so far, that's what's happening. Uh, I hope to be able to travel uh, outside of New York safely uh, more frequently. 
but I'm just trying to be careful, trying to follow the statistics and the news. And um, it kind of felt like things are getting back to normal. And now with the Delta variant, there's some, yeah. you know, concerning news, but I hope they will fade away pretty soon. So I always try. I always pray for the positive. Yes, I agree. Well, let's talk about, you know, the next song we want to listen to is the... Uh, Danza della Mosa Donosa. So that's the Dance of the Beautiful Maiden, the translation. Can I just add that it's by Alberto Hinostero, the composer? It's not an original, but piano composer. Argentinian, right? Yes. Okay, very good. Well, let's take a quick listen to that. Tanya Stavara, and here it is.
And that was Danza de la Moza Danza. And uh, that's on uh, the wonderful album there. It's your rhythmic movements. Tanya Stavara. Elegant and and melodic. It is. It is. Now, you also explore other things outside of classical music. I, I know that you, and this is probably part of the next thing we'll listen to, is a little bit of jazz in some of the things. So tell us a little bit about uh, getting away from like traditional classical into jazz. Well, I would say, first of all, it's not jazz because it's all written music. Uh, particularly, you're talking about uh, the, uh, is it the prelude, uh, the jazz concert etude prelude. Yes, it's called Jazz Concert Etude uh, by composer Nikolai Kapustin. And uh, all the music is written. So jazz experts, when they listen to this, they would know that it's not improvised on the spot. So the real definition of jazz is instant composition. When you are improvising and composing on the spot, but the piece itself sounds very jazzy in terms of the harmonies. And I have passion for jazz, even though I'm a classical pianist. I think that was an absolutely fun project. So every time I play it, I pretend as, as if I'm just composing it, even though I'm playing the same notes every time. <laughs> uh, so maybe that kind of gives it a little bit more of a jazzy feel. And on the album, there is another track that I didn't send you. Uh, it's called White Lies for Lomax by composer Mason Bates. That's track 11. Uh, I played that piece a lot over the past few years, and it was recorded also on Mason's album. It was called Stereo is King. And I remember when I met the composer and I played the piece for him, uh, it was funny. He said, well, that's how exactly I wanted it to sound because I wanted all this written music to feel as if it's improvised. And I would say probably the way I got closer to that is that first I have friends in jazz and blues. I also listen to a lot of jazz and blues. And also, I pretend as if I'm improvising it while, <laughs> while I'm playing the rhythm music. So I guess if for a classical musician who loves jazz, these composers are just wonderful to work on. And at some point, I would love to master improvisation a little bit more comfortably. But at the moment, I'm just so busy with my classical projects and composing and other things. Uh, I would say uh, the piece that you featured with the drums, did you feature that already or not? Uh, with Wilkehun, the Ruido at... Ritmico Udistorsionado. Was that already featured or not? No, no, we have, we got that with us. Oh, no, we're going to have that later. Sure, sure. Yes, I just wanted to add about that piece that uh, Will Cajun is completely improvising on the track, meaning that if you ask him to play with me the same piece, he would not be able to play the same beats again. I am playing everything the way the composer wrote. So that was kind of a crossover, an experiment between a jazz and rock artist and me as a classical. We thought that that just fit very, very interestingly on this particular. So how do you react to that then? So when somebody's improvising each time you play, does it, um, are you separate from the drums? When Are you just so focused on your piano that you're not listening completely to what he's improvising with the drums or? Oh, you're asking me about the actual interaction at the studio. That's such yeah. a good question. And never, nobody has ever asked me actually this question. Um, Okay, so normally when I work with classical musicians on chamber music, let's say if I play with a violinist on a piano and violin sonata, we look at each other, but we look at the music and we look very serious. And when I first worked with Will, I would play together with him and I have to keep an eye on specific sections we are together. But then he would smile at me and he has this charming smile that it's just for me being always so serious on the keys it was just like not something i was so used to it but it's just really feeling the music feeling the groove and that positive energy it was very kind it was different and it was very um uh, a new experience that was very inspiring to me and um Basically, we slowed down the tempo slightly. The same piece, actually, I play on track seven in the album in its original manner. It's an, in original way. I play it slightly faster, 
And we decided with the drums to slow it down a little bit in order to allow to wheel to add more accents and more rhythms and for the rhythmic movement to feel more rhythmic. It's, it's really interesting. You said something very poignant, which is um, you want to start improvising. So you think you think about it, which I think is like if, to imagine it, then you can do it. So where is your greatest inspiration is it does it occur in a place or a situation like a walk in the woods or reading a book or sitting by the ocean I'm especially wondering about like your composition when you compose or put together your your playlist or your your music I would say that all of my projects are pretty much reflection on personal experiences and how I feel about where I am at the person at the, at the present moment. And I always like learning. I always like hearing something new. And I might be inspired by something now, but I might hear something new by another artist that would be so inspiring that I might be onto some other things in the future. So I could never say it's only one thing. I just love learning. And I would say what's inspiring to me is energy, how you connect to people because music is really not just one genre, but it's just one language. And many artists have crossed genres and experimented with other artists. I also like to even cross arts. I, a few years ago, collaborated with a body artist on a piano and body painting project. Uh, so I like to collaborate with visual artists. I would love at some point to do something with dancers where uh, we would be, uh, I would be playing and there would be dancers uh, dancing with a choreography uh, with the music. So that would be an interesting, uh, it's been done many times, but I have not done it. So it would be interesting for me to pursue that kind of experience. Uh, there is often music and poetry. So you know how in hip hop, for example, there is an artist who has a lot of lyrics there and sometimes not that much um, improvisation or uh, instrumentation but let's say you could have music and an actual poetry at the same time that could be still classical so there are artists who also do this type of experiments so I'm so inspired by arts in general not just by music and um, I mean rhythmic movement specifically it's all about um, this type of energy that is very bright and powerful and that it brings motivation it brings hope brings happiness that kind of idea is behind rhythmic movement that it's something that inspires me and something I want to give to my audience. It's very, um, it's true. Each, you know, you can do a dance performance five different times, but the interpretation each time is different. I know in my gallery, we had um, Sherry Lemonnier. She did a, a live painting of what she was listening to. It was oh. so beautiful to listen to the music and watch her paint what she was feeling from it. So, yeah, the music mix. Let's take a listen to the jazz concert, Adu Prelude. And uh, you've already talked a little bit about that. And then we'll come back from that and talk a little bit more. So, uh, here it is from the Tanya Stavara Rhythmic Movie Album.
That was the jazz concert etu prelude, Tommy Stavaro, and that's on the Rhythmic Movement album. So kind of a different little take on that. So moving, uh, you also do uh, traditional classical pieces. So on your website, you have a whole bunch of things, which, of course, uh, you can tell us the website and how people can get your music. But uh, tell us about some of the uh, regular traditional classical things you do. Well, uh, it's so funny you call it regular traditional. Uh, <laughs> I mean, classical music really starts from the Baroque uh, era all the way to contemporary, and it could be so many different things. It really is a language, and you could choose different themes how to speak to the world and to your audience. Uh, well, growing up, I had to learn the basics and the fundamentals, so I played a lot of back. That was not a choice. <laughs> uh, even I also teach piano, so a lot of my students have to learn Baroque, classical, romantic. Uh, that really gives a very good foundation. So I would say that one of the reasons I'm good at modern and contemporary repertoire is because I also have good foundation in traditional repertoire. So I feel that skipping traditional repertoire and jumping into something modern and contemporary specifically for classical piano wouldn't make sense. Uh, I think that it's, it's very essential when you are a child and when you're growing up to go through all the important uh, composers and pieces. And then later on, you decide how you do your own programming and what kind of music speaks in a way that you would like to deliver a message. Um, so, yes, I, I play a lot of Bach, a lot of um, Mozart, Beethoven, especially as a student, Haydn, uh, a lot of... Um, uh, Chopin, absolutely, and Liszt, and Brahms, and any pro major composer you can think of. So uh, that's essential. Uh, well, I would say one thing is that there are so many pianists in the world we live in, and everybody goes through these pieces. And let's say Beethoven for release, it's like a I don't know, beyond a bestseller, it's just the way you can think of the most popular pop song is the way you can also think of how Beethoven Furilis is so popular. So I would say among professionals, if you mention Furilis, everybody's like, oh, <laughs> like it's just uh, something that it's so well known that we are so tired of it in a way. But it's beautiful music and it has its place. I mean, Debussy Claire de Lune, everybody knows Claire de Lune. And um, those are beautiful pieces that they deserve attention. So... This particular album, I would say that, especially when the album was ready and we sent it to uh, a lot of um, um, people in the industry, uh, classical experts would kind of say, even a lot of uh, concert series that book uh, artists, they would be like, well, the composers are not that well known, so we need at least a couple of more traditional composers because we don't know if people will come. <laughs> and uh, so I would say that the more traditional composers probably sell a little better on a more traditional concert series. Uh, I would say a lot of uh, concert series, they welcome new music, but it's often mixed with uh, traditional. So um, so I just particularly for this album, my producer is Ron St. Germain. He comes from more of a rock world. He works with a lot of jazz artists as well. Uh, he said no more than 45 minutes, which is a little bit untraditional for a classical album. My first idea was like, let's see how many minutes a CD could fit. <laughs> That's how long I was planning to have it. And all of a sudden, he said no more than 45 minutes. I was like, okay, if you say so. Uh, but if I play live concerts, the concerts are always longer than 45 minutes. So I would put a couple of more composers and pieces that I would say that lately when I start a piece, in a recital, let's say, or even on the CD, I don't want to just to jump to something completely different. Um, I like the next piece to connect to the first piece. I like to have some sort of connection that leads to the next thing. And I would say that's how rhythmic movement, in a way, um, 
as a continent. It will integrate as a whole, exactly. I, I thought of the album more like a recital, and I always recorded everything. I never I never chopped the pieces into measure by measure by measure. I always played the whole piece, and I felt like I wanted to keep everything as natural as possible. You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. One quick question. Do you have a favorite composer from the, uh, we'll say, the classical romantic era? I don't think I can name one. This is truly <laughs> impossible. And uh, especially now, meeting some of the living composers, like Mason Bayes is a living composer, and working with them, it's very inspiring how they create history and you get to be part of history by knowing them, playing their music. And I think both past, present, and future are very important to be integrated all together. I want to go back to Bulgaria for a moment. Like the the Bulgarian women's choir was so instrumental in my music education. I just adore them. So how how does that how is that in Bulgaria? Did that did it influence any of your musical upbringing? So do you mean the mystery of the mysterious voices? Yes, of course. Yeah, that's the most famous probably Bulgarian choir. Mm-hmm. They're they're truly remarkable. Well, there is a special folklore school that it's specifically for people who want to learn the type of singing. Uh, I cannot sing like that. I don't know how they do it. It's a special <laughs> technique, and uh, there is also a special. Uh, they can learn the, the folk instruments and traditional instruments. Right. Um, so. I would say Pancho Vladigerov is one of the composers who used elements of the rhythms. Um, he, I believe, also used, because a lot of this type of folklore music was used at weddings, at casual events, and uh, let's say choro is a very traditional uh, dance. Uh, I'm sure Vladigerov used elements of choro and other similar dances to compose piano pieces uh, from that. Uh, and uh, there are other composers also during the time when Vladigarov was born that they uh, wrote a lot of music. I would say that currently a lot of the Bulgarian composers, especially the contemporary, they seem to kind of step away from the folk element. Some of them come back, some of them are more avant-garde, I would call it, or more atonal. So uh, everybody has their own their own style and yes. variety. Because on the CD you do have some Bulgarian um composers right Pancho Vladigerov yes yeah. that's on track two of the that's another Bulgarian traditional dance the name is Rachinitsa and then uh, movement rhythmic uh, that's also the same title as my original piece a rhythmic movement um that's on track three and then the uh Dilmano Gilbero um the Bulgarian folk song variations th- those are written by the son of Pancho Vladigerov Alexander Vladigerov and they're beautiful and there are lots of different changes of rhythms there that are incorporated and it's also a little jazzy so it's a very interesting piece it's about close to 20, 12 minutes long so uh it's a little bit long for this show I would say but if anybody wants to hear it they can go on my website and buy the album tell us what the website is uh, the website is myname.com, which would be taniastavrevo.com. Maybe, maybe you should show it on the on the notes or um, spell my name. <laughs> Actually, there'll be a link on our website to your website, so do that. Well, yes. let's quickly, we want to listen to uh, The Dark Side of the Sun. Tell us just briefly about that, and we'll take a listen to that. Okay, so The Dark Side of the Sun. Um, I really wanted to have in the album a piece uh, that is performed inside of the strings of the piano because um, in a lot of contemporary music, the avant-garde style stays separate than more of the traditional. I'm considered a little bit more traditional, even with this album, because there is melody and rhythm. And in a lot of co- contemporary concerts, 
concert series, uh, when they program everything more in the more avant-garde manner, um, there's a lot of plucking strings, and sometimes people play more inside of the piano rather than on the keys. <laughs> and that goes on for like an hour. So I just thought it would be powerful and interesting to incorporate that idea just with one shorter piece, maybe three minutes or one minute. And I just kind of wanted to improvise and feel the mood of the atmosphere. So uh, the dark side uh, of the sun uh, experiments with um, different... Um, registers of the piano but also there's that kind of element a lot of people were saying oh it sounds like maybe in a horror movie something happens i said no no we don't want anything scary it might be a little scary but to me it's more like playing with fire maybe it's just playing with a little bit of some lower register notes that create a little bit darker atmosphere but it's all in a good way <laughs> i decided to call it of the sun well let's take a quick listen to tanya stavara dark side of the sun And from the Rhythmic Movement album, uh, that was The Dark Side of the Sun, Tanya Stavara. So, well, we're almost ready to wrap this up, Tanya, so we want to hit your website again. And uh, so I guess I will do that for you. Yeah, you can get the link on our page. Uh, it's Tanya, uh, T-A-N-I-A-S-T-A-V-R-E-V-A.com. And you can uh, get that. It'll, again, our link is on our site, so you can find out all about her uh, information there and things like that. And do you have any concerts coming up? Yes, thank you for asking. Uh, I have a very important concert coming up in October at Carnegie Hall. That is very exciting. It's on October 11. Uh, it's um, invited by Keith Wakeley. Uh, he's a great artist also from the FYC, by the way, that you should interview. And uh, I'm opening for him uh, with a half an hour program. Uh, there will be music by Vladigerov, by Newman uh, Bates, as well as original compositions. And um, that will be a live performance. I'm working on a new album. So if anybody would like to stay in touch with me, they could sign the mailing list. Everything is in the website. I hope to see everybody then. Very good. Well, we appreciate you coming on Art in the Air, uh, Tanya Stavara. She's a concert pianist. Uh, what I like to hear is a piano dynamo. And actually, if you actually visit her website, uh, she also could also be a model because she has uh, gotten a lot of artistic <laughs> pictures there that are, are just absolutely beautiful. Being a photographer myself, I see see the wonderful work you Tanya, thank you so much for being on Art of the Year and sharing your music with us. Thank you very much for having me.
You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM.
Tanya Stavara. She's a concert pianist. Uh, what I like to hear is a piano dynamo. Tanya, thank you so much for being on Art of the Air and sharing your music with us. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to Art in the Air, and we'd like to thank our guests this week on WVLP 103.1 FM and Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, our weekly program covering arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. Art in the Air is heard every Friday at 11 a.m. and rebroadcast Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP. Art in the Air streams live at WVLP.org and is rebroadcast on Monday at 5 p.m. Plus is also heard on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM every Sunday at 7 p.m. Also streaming live at LakeshorePublicRadio.org and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Thanks again to Greg Kovach, WVLP Station Manager, and Tom Maloney, Vice President of Radio Operations for Lakeshore Public Radio. Our theme music is by Billy Foster, with a vocal by Renee Foster. Art in the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant and the National Endowment for the Arts. Underwriters for Art in the Air, Walt Breidinger of Paragon Investments, and Mary LeVan, Arts Patron. Art in the Air is always looking for financial support. We'd like to thank our current supporters. If you're looking to support Art in the Air... Esther and I especially would invite you to become an underwriter of this program in particular. We have information on our website at breck.com AOTA. You can find out support information there. So don't just be an Art on the Air listener. Become a supporter or underwriter in whatever amount you're able to do so so we continue to bring you this great content and this great local programming. And like I say every week, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good. And you'll feel so good about supporting Art on the Air. Information about Art in the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That's breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. If you're interested in being a guest or send us information about your arts, arts-related event, or exhibit, please email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H, dot com, or contact us through our Facebook page. Your hosts were Larry Breckner and Esther Golden, and we invite you back next week for another episode of Art on the Air. Aloha, everyone. Have a splendid week. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Mary. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Mary and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart, express yourself in art. And show the world your heart, express yourself in art. And show the world your heart, express yourself in art. And show the world.